This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you have great coaches, then after you have great coaches, you get great players. You have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just win, baby. Just win, baby. Go Raider Nation, and welcome to Just Pod Baby with your host, Evan Grote, your home for Raiders news, notes, and information. You can follow me on Twitter at egrote5, and you can check out my work over at silverandblackpride.com. Later on in the show, I'll preview this week's matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs with guest Pete Sweeney, chief editor and lead writer at arrowheadpride.com. We're going to begin the show tonight with some quick headlines. Headline number one, I'm sure you've all heard by now, rookie safety and first-round pick. Jonathan Abram tore his rotator cuff and labrum in Monday night's victory over the Denver Broncos. Apparently, the injury happened uh, in the first quarter of the game, uh, but it didn't seem to bother Abram. If you watch the game, uh, he didn't seem to be favoring the shoulder at all. And even after the game, I saw him in post-game press conferences, and he didn't seem to be bothered by the shoulder at all. In, in fact, he played in 77% of the snaps, so he didn't really miss any time either. Um, unfortunately, though, uh, Abram will miss the remainder of the season. He was um, placed on IR today. He had surgery on that shoulder, and it, and it's a you know major disappointment uh, for many reasons. But you know, Abram really seems like a great kid. He he's got great energy, great um, you know he loves the game and. Um, as John Gruden put it, on the field, it's a, it's a major blow um, to the defense. Uh, not only, again, is he a good player, but he brings an energy to the team that I believe is just really hard to replace. You, you know, you can't, you can't replace those high-energy guys out there. He seems to just um, bring a certain type of attitude to the team, and you know, he'll be greatly missed, but we do hope for a speedy recovery for him. Speaking of replacements, Paul Gunther would not say yet who would be uh, – Starting in Abrams' spot, um, he did mention the possibility of kind of seeing a combination of guys such as Eric Harris and Curtis Riley um, to kind of fill the void. Um, it may not be much of an indicator, but I went back and looked at the snap counts from last week just to kind of see who was who was getting more time. And um, Eric Harris didn't play at all. He didn't. He 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 got zero snaps on defense um, while. Curtis Riley did play in 37% of the defensive snap. So so take that for, for what it's worth. How about number two? The Raiders did sign former Jets uh, cornerback Justin Burris. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know a lot about him, to be honest with you. I did some reading here. He's a former 2016 fourth-round pick uh, by the Jets. 
Um, he played in 34 games with the Jets before being waived in 2018 and joining the Cleveland Browns um, from from the Jets practice squad. Um, he played in four games for the Jets and and also played in four games for the Browns last season, primarily saw time uh, on special teams. So, you know, it's I, I can't imagine he's going to be a big contributor um, to the Raiders. He, he seems like he's more of just kind of filling, the, filling out the, the roster. Over his first three seasons uh, with two different teams, the Browns and the Jets, as I mentioned, Burris uh, has appeared in 38 games with two starts, recorded 28 tackles, two interceptions, seven passes defended, and one forced fumble. So, you know, the Raiders brought in a bunch of different guys to work out for them, and apparently they settled on uh, Justin Burris. So we'll, we'll see if he contributes at all to the team. Headline number three, it just came out uh, this evening. I saw it on silverandblackpride.com. A.J. Cole was added to the injury report after practice uh, with a foot injury to his kicking foot. So this could be a major, major issue. And um, because the Raiders don't have a backup punter on the roster, and they will likely need to make a decision on him tomorrow. And so the scenarios that the Raiders are faced with is if they decide to add someone, go out and pick up a free agent, they're going to have to make a roster move. So who did they decide to cut? That That's going to be a major problem. Uh, would it be A.J. Cole they decide to cut and take a chance that they could lose him and, and not get him back? I would prefer that they don't do that. Um, but um, that's kind of what the Raiders are faced with right now. So keep an eye on the status of A.J. Cole as we get closer to game time on Sunday. Uh, J.J. Nelson also was ruled out, and so it's very possible that we see Keelan Doss um, make his first, um, you know, get his first action as a pro. Headline number four, on a sad note, former Raider Nerian Ball passed away earlier this week. Ball was a 2015 fifth-round pick out of the University of Florida, and it's been well documented that Ball suffered from a very rare brain condition that he was diagnosed with um, when he was at Florida. Um, and the condition was is called uh, arteriovenous malformation, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly, but it's also known as AVM for short. And it's a condition in which the brain's blood vessels are can get tangled and they can rupture. And uh, it doesn't sound like a very pleasant thing to have. Um, he did have issues with this while he was in college, and he did have some. He had an emergency surgery. That was, um, but he was able to continue his playing career after the surgery. So apparently, he thought maybe he was kind of um, going to be okay, I guess. But he did suffer. Um, an aneurysm, a brain aneurysm, last December, and he was placed into a medically induced coma, which was later um, he was later removed from. But um, at that point, he he was still suffering quite quite badly with um, without the use of his upper and lower body extremities. He was in a nursing home being cared for, and so it it did sound like he was really suffering. And it, it's just a terrible story. Um, Everything I read on him recently from former teammates and coaches was that he was he was very well liked um, and just a, just overall just a great guy. So again, very sad story. Uh, Ball was twenty seven. The last uh, piece of news that I do want to 
mention, um, it's definitely caught the attention of, of Raider Nation, is Dolphins safety Minka Fitzpatrick is has requested a trade and the team has granted him permission to go out and, and uh, to have him and his agent, who Joel Siegel, who we all know is... Uh, represents Khalil Mack and, and Amari Cooper, but um, the Dolphins gave him permission to go out and, and seek a trade with other teams. So uh, obviously Raider fans and, and Raider Twitter is blowing up about this. Um, and and here's my opinion on the matter. Um, I've been putting some thought into this for most of the evening after I, I saw this earlier today. And, you know, I, I would be all all for the Raiders making this move, obviously, like like most of us would be. But here here's some of the reasons why uh, I would be in all in favor of this move is my, the first thought was, you know, what are the Raiders planning on doing with Carl Joseph at the end of the season? As um, he's on the final year of his, his rookie deal, they did not pick up his his um, fifth year option. So is he in the long term plans? That that's. You know, that's a question that I'm sure it's still up in the air, and I'm hoping, or I I, I figure that, um, or I'm assuming that Gruden and Mayock were hoping to see what they could get from Joseph before making a decision on him. But um, if there's any ounce of doubt in their minds right now that he may not be the answer long term, then I think they would be wise to at least inquire about Fitzpatrick and, and what it would cost to get him uh, to become a Raider, Minka, you know he's he's only in the second year. He's he was obviously he was uh, drafted in 2018, um, 10th overall, and he's a cheap option at the moment. I saw some of his contract numbers online; they're very very team friendly. Um, you would have control of him for at least the next four seasons if you included the um, fifth year option. So that's that's very um, enticing, you know. As as a fan, I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure the type of money that a player like Carl Joseph would demand on the open market. But um, it, it's just something. It's definitely something that the Raiders need to be um, taking a look at, in my opinion. The second reason I believe that this would be a good move is that Fitzpatrick is has that position versatility um, that makes you more valuable in the league. Um, when you look at a guy like LaMarcus Joyner, who obviously the Raiders feel very strongly about because they went after him in free agency and paid him a lot of money. So you know how Gunther feels about position versatility and and. Fitzpatrick is in that same type of mold as a guy like Joyner. The more you can do, the better you're going to be for the team. Um, he has the ability to play both in the slot and at safety. And part of the reason why I, I was doing some reading on uh, on why he wants out of um, Miami, and part of what I'm reading is uh, he, he feels like he's being misused. Uh, he played three or four different positions in the game on Sunday, they they have him playing a little bit of linebacker as well, and he prefers to to have more of a um, a solid role, and I, I believe he prefers to play a little bit more in the slot. So um, now that could be an issue for the Raiders because uh, Joiner definitely excels more in the slot, but you know now when you have the injury to um, when you have the injury to Abram, 
you know, you, you have a you you have a void there, and the, you have a veteran like Joiner who has experience as a safety. I'm sure he would do what's best for the team if they were to bring in a guy like Fitzpatrick. Um, and the third reason why I think this would be a good move is because, uh, you know, he is he is young. He's only 22 years old. He's coming off a very promising rookie season. If you recall, he was a top 10 draft pick, and he was considered one of the safest picks in the draft at the time. And I actually went back and um, did some reading on what make um, excuse me Mike Mayock had to say about um, about Fitzpatrick, and let me just pull it up right here real quick if I could find it. Um, okay, so this is what Mike Mayock had to say about Fitzpatrick uh, leading up to the draft. He, first of all, he had Fitzpatrick ranked as his number one safety in the class. That's ahead of Derwin James, who's an all-pro. Um, Mayak said he can literally play any position back there. He's got free safety range, and I think he can match up, or he can match slots and tight ends. When you talk to Nick Saban about this kid, Nick Saban lights up. Where are you going to play him so he gets around the football more? Um, so, you know, it's interesting now to... to now that we know those comments, you, you you look you look ahead 17 months, and and you know Mayak's got an opportunity now with some draft capital to be in the position to to acquire uh, Fitzpatrick's services. So um, I, I think it's an interesting uh, situation, and um, you know the question that I ask you guys now, the listeners, is how much should the Raiders be offering for a guy like Fitzpatrick and from the reports that I've read, they are asking for a first-round pick, but they would be willing to consider something um, lesser, such as a second-round pick or maybe even possibly a third-round pick. So I would assume the Raiders are doing their due diligence on him. Um, obviously, the Raiders have two first-round picks next year in the 2020 draft, zero second-round picks, and two third-round picks from the Khalil Mack trade. Um, so I personally would be just fine um, with the Raiders giving up one of those first round picks obviously I prefer it to be the the later of the two which will most likely be the Bears um I would be fine with that I really would um I think he's an impact player um you might be going into next year's draft in this looking to replace Carl Joseph anyways if the Ra- if the Raiders should decide to let Joseph go um you're going to have a, a um a need there at safety so you could find yourself in the need, in need of a safety, so why not go ahead and secure a high-end talent through a trade that can step right in immediately and help you win this year as well. So um, that would really make the secondary look very promising for for years to come with with the young core like Conley, Abram, and Fitzpatrick. So those are that's my two cents on a potential trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. Up next, I'll be previewing this week's matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs with Pete Sweeney of ArrowheadPride.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Blue for the two, 
Blue 42, set! Hey! On the line with me is Pete Sweeney. Pete is the chief editor and lead writer at Arrowhead Pride, which is a part of the SB Nation family. Uh, prior to joining SB Nation, Pete spent three years as an official team reporter for the Chiefs. Pete is also the host of Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 AM Sports Radio out there in Kansas City. Pete, thanks for uh, giving me some of your time tonight. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm excited for Sunday. Uh, this is a game that Chiefs fans, like Raiders fans, I think look forward to every year. Uh, and this is the first of the two installments. Yeah, and I listen to a lot of national radio, and there seems to be there seems to be a little bit of a buzz about this game. I see it's it's going to be the um, CBS is sending their number one crew, Jim Nance and, and Tony Romo, to cover it. So it does seem like there is a buzz. Um, I don't know if it has something to do with the Raiders' impressive performance last week, and of course we all know the the Chiefs are one of the marquee teams in the league. But there's definitely a buzz, and, and I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for that. Now, now um, the Chiefs and the Raiders are both coming off impressive Week One wins, as I mentioned. But both of these uh, wins came at a kind of cost for each team. We're going to start with the, with your team, the Chiefs first. Tyreek Hill, who you know, we all know he suffered that shoulder injury um, that's expected to sideline him four to six weeks. Obviously, he's a major part of that Chiefs uh, game plan week to week. With his absence, how do you how do you expect things are going to change for the Chiefs offensively, and, and who do you expect to be the next man up for them? Yeah, it's a tough loss. I look at Tyreek Hill, and you guys probably know this well, there really isn't another player like him in the, in the National Football League when it comes to his speed and, and what he can do. Uh, and so with that being said, it's just not a replaceable player per se. The Chiefs can do so many things with him, so I think it'll be a group of guys that have to uh, fill in for what is going to be you know, a huge loss uh, for the Chiefs. Fortunately for them, Sammy Watkins performed really well last week. He said he's as healthy as he ever he ever has been uh, going into the season. Again, you, you sometimes think, okay, at training camp when he says something like that, it's like, oh, well, everybody's in the best shape of their lives. But through one week, it, it surely looked like that. So I think Watkins and Kelsey become your main focal points of the offense. Watkins playing what they would call the Z position where Hill would play. And then you have McCole Hardman, who's the rookie that was really drafted, I think, in a sense at the time to potentially replace Hill if he didn't get out of his off-the-field problems, and he'll be getting more snaps, I think, in, more, in a more secondary role. So it's a combination of a couple guys. And the great thing about Andy Reid for Chiefs fans and for the Chiefs is that he really adjusts the game plan to his personnel. So this won't be the same exact game plan as it would be if Tyree Kill were in the mix. But if you're looking at one guy who's going to get more reps, it's certainly to me the rookie, McCole Hardman. Now, for the Raiders, their big loss came um, in the form of their rookie safety, Jonathan Abram, who I'm sure um, you guys, Chiefs fans, are you know have heard about that loss at, at this time. Um, Abram, he's a big, fast, physical safety. You know, he likes to he likes contact. Um, you know, he he part of the reason the Raiders drafted him is because they they thought he could be a guy that could match up with some of those tight ends in the AFC West, like Travis Kelsey. Um, it looks like now it's going to be a combination of Eric Harris and, and Curtis Riley who are going to be used to replace Abram. Um, we we know that Kelsey has has really hurt the Raiders in the past. Do you think this is definitely a matchup that Andy Reid will look to exploit? Yeah, 100%. Uh, if last game against the Jaguars for the Chiefs was the Sammy Watkins game, I think this is a game where Travis Kelsey comes a lot more into play. 
And really, even watching from afar, I'm a huge fan of hard knocks. I'm a huge fan of good football players. Such a shame uh, because I was watching that Monday night football game and Jonathan Abrams is such a fun player to watch. And it looks like a guy who in the future is just not going to be a, a player that wide receivers and tight ends want to face. And so, yeah, I think that I think it's a lot bigger and, and it probably won't be uh, as notable across the league because I don't real I don't think people realize yet just how good he's going to be. But in this particular game, it opens it up for Travis Kelsey, where you do have the receivers uh, kind of opening it up. I mean, Watkins and Hardman, as I had mentioned, they're both 4-3 speed, so they can open things up in the middle for Travis Kelsey. And, uh, again, Kelsey is just such a hard person to match up with. He had off-season uh, ankle surgery, and he's feeling a lot better on his feet. And, again, after a weekend where he didn't see as much action as I think he likes, I think he rebounds and has a big, get, big day against the Raiders. Now another player on that offense that I want to talk about briefly um, is LaShawn McCoy, and so he, he was released by the Bills um, before the start of the season. He he signed with the Chiefs, and we know about his history with with Andy Reid. And I was looking at some of the numbers from last week, and I did see that the attempts were were nearly fifty fifty between him and um, the starter yeah. Damian Williams. I, I did see that Williams did catch six balls to McCoy's one, but. Um, do you expect this kind of uh, workload to be similar going forward, you know, in particular this week? But how, how do you see um, the time split between uh, McCoy and Williams? Last week, LaShawn McCoy had just gotten there. And it's, it's really tough to get Andy Reid's playbook down because it's so vast and complex. And so they got him in for 18 plays. What I thought was a noticeable thing that is a little bit under-talked about is, and it was only slightly McCoy was in for more run plays than pass plays, and that was the opposite for Damian Williams. And so I think maybe the Chiefs see McCoy as a better threat to be a runner, whereas they look at Damian Williams as a pass catcher. Not that that necessarily is going to be an exact tell, but I think that's just what they feel. So I think by the end of the year, you're seeing LaShawn McCoy certainly get more carries. I'm not even necessarily sure if he gets more touches because Williams will get carries and probably a few more passes because I think the Chiefs like him a little bit more in the pass game. But as far as rushing the football, I don't think anything that the Chiefs had before they had McCoy compares to his vision. And so I think that's what Andy Reid really likes. He still has it. And what helps is that the Chiefs offense is so explosive. So with a Buffalo's, with Buffalo Bills offense, I mean, you're getting to a point where McCoy is going to be focused on by defenses. When you already have Watkins and Kelsey and eventually when Hill gets back and, and Hardman and even Damian Williams, if you put them both at the same time, really opens things up a little bit more for McCoy, who in his old age at 31, I think still has some burst. And yeah, I, I think what you do see is a 50-50 split between these guys. Pete Sweeney on the line with me, chief editor and lead writer at Arrowhead Pride. Uh, now, I was looking at the injury reports a little bit today. I saw they were released just uh, just a few minutes ago, actually, before we began this interview. And I, um, I did see some names like Patrick Mahomes on there with an ankle and Frank Clark with a neck, Tyron Matthew with a shoulder. They all practiced in full today. Um, and I and someone that I saw pop up today also was Jake Fisher. I heard he was injured at practice with a groin. Um, do you have an update on any of these guys? You know, do you, do you fully expect um, them all to play, or what, what do you have to say about that? The two uh, players that stick out on the injury report to me are Patrick Mahomes. Uh, badly messed up his ankle, sprained ankle last last weekend, and it and it really did impact his mobility. And as practice went on this week, he looked better and better. But I just don't think it'll be a hundred percent on Sunday, and so. What that means to me is some of those things that he does out of structure 
not in the play. It's going to be a little bit limited. And where it does worry me is if the Raiders can get to him early, I just wonder if it gets to be injured again or if it, if it you know, lowers the percentage on that. So uh, I do have some worries when it comes to Mahomes and his, his effectiveness. I think he's still going to be a good quarterback, and he's excellent out of the pocket. I just don't know if we're going to see that MVP version if he can't do some of the things like rolling out to his right and left. And then Eric Fisher, the left tackle for the Chiefs, he popped up late, uh, injured his groin, had to be removed from practice. He's questionable. I'm wondering if they're just waiting to see how sore it is on Sunday. If he can't go, probably be Cam Irving that goes at left tackle. There's a number of things the Chiefs can do. They could move their right tackle, Mitch Schwartz, over to left tackle. But I think the most likely scenario is Cam Irving would go. If I'm guessing right now, I'd say that Fisher goes. I was in the locker room today, and he was all smiles and kind of joking around with teammates. Not really the look of a guy who's about to miss a game. Okay, very good. Um I want to shift gears a little bit now to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there's a lot of new faces uh, um, for that Chiefs defense, including a new coordinator in, in Steve Spagnuolo. Um, it's it's only been one game, but you know what what have you seen from them through training camp and, and through one game? How would you uh, um, assess this defense to this point? Yeah, I mean it was it was a big weakness for the Chiefs last year, and a lot of people say it's why they didn't win the Super Bowl, and it's hard to argue with that. Um, and so what they did was completely revamp this offseason, changed defensive coordinators and schemes, three four to the four three. Frank Clark and Tyron Matthews suddenly in the mix. Uh, Justin Houston D, D Ford, Eric Berry gone, and so yeah, it, it feels completely different. Uh, as far as their performance week one, I, I thought it was similar to last year. It was it wasn't wasn't great it wasn't really good it was okay um they weren't a reason that they lost the football game but they didn't really feel like they were a reason that they won it and i i think about preseason because of some injuries and things like that this defense had about two snaps altogether with the starters uh, during the preseason so i just wonder if they need to just get that rapport down a little bit and get used to what spagnolo is doing the game plan seemed a little vanilla week one so you wonder if there's some more uh, disguises and blitzes packages and, and zones and man and just a little bit more of a mix this week against the Raiders and you see more of a mix as things go on but Frank Clark didn't really have a great game Matthew you know didn't wasn't really standing out at least in, in week one and and to me I sort of look at it as a, a rebound week against the Raiders team who looked really really good on Monday night now are you at all concerned um you know, they they once Nick Foles was injured uh, last week, they they were facing a rookie quarterback in in Minshew. There, are you concerned at all? He 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 was quite good uh, last week. Is that something that would concern you as they face? Uh, I would say a better, you know, offense and and a better quarterback in Derek Carr. Yeah, I mean, because to, to me, I, I felt like. Monday night watching Derek Carr reminded me of the 2016 version. It's really efficient. And the one that led, it was like 13-3 and record, 12-4, and whatever it was, and 28 touchdowns, six interceptions. He looked really good, and, and he was playing really confident. And you could tell he has really a lot of confidence in Tyrell Williams. And, and Darren Waller, to me, looks like he's going to be a top-10 tight end. Uh, and he was doing things that kind of kill the Chiefs, which is quarterbacks who get rid of the ball quickly and, and, and don't allow Chris Jones – and guys like Frank Clark and Emmanuel Ogba, um, Alex Okafor to get to the quarterback. And where the Chiefs struggle is coverage. And when, you know, with Tyrell Williams running and, and, and Waller's obviously a matchup problem, similar in a sense to Travis Kelsey. I'm not ready to call him in that Kelsey caliber quite yet, but he's, 
he's certainly someone that the Chiefs are going to have to deal with. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does seem like a thing where the Raiders are, are could come out, and I like if they started with the ball, I wouldn't be shocked if they started out with a seven nothing lead. I, I think it isn't going to be one of these games that is just easy for the Chiefs, like like it was for the Jaguars, where they just kind of rolled over them. Now, speaking of Derek Carr, and you touched upon this uh, briefly just now in that answer, um, I, I listened to some of the uh, Chiefs press conferences, and I heard a little bit of what Steve Spagnola had to say about Derek Carr and how he likes to get the ball off his hand quickly. Um, what are you hearing from the coaches, um, how they plan to you know, defend a quarterback like Carr who likes to get the ball out pretty quick? Yeah, it's just, it's just coverage. I mean, it's tackling quickly, wrapping up, you know, making sure you don't get beat deep. The good thing about a quarterback that get rid, gets rid of it quickly is a lot of times it's, it's right in front of you and you just got to make the tackle. And um, and that, that seems like the emphasis this week is they got to cover better. And it's just questionable because the Chiefs cornerbacks, should, I mean, it's, hard, it's, it's, it's tough to say, but they just aren't great. I mean, it's Kendall Fuller, Bashad Breland, and Charvarius Ward seems like the guy that everybody seems to be picking on. And I can imagine that they're going to try to get some favorable matchups uh, like a guy who's coming off a big week like Williams. If he's matched up against Ward, I think that is certainly the area you should focus your eyes if you're a Raiders fan because that's what they're going to be trying to take advantage of. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that was a that was a great segue there to my next question, but you already answered it. So um, you, you think definitely uh, Tyrell Williams is, is, is a difficult matchup for those those Chiefs corners? I do. Um, the, the, the Chiefs, I mean, even even in the Alex Smith days, in the past five years, they just seem to always struggle with these top tier either running backs and wide receivers. Like, you know, you're asking me to to put a bet on it. I would bet that Williams has a big day, like in the 80 to 100 yard range at least. Um, it's just whether the offense, um, which has been able to since Mahomes has taken over, um, just puts teams out of games. You know, like because. The defense we know is going to give up points. It's just a matter of are the Chiefs already up 17-10 or 17-7 because they've been able to put up more before that. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. And, you know, I keep reiterating, I just don't think this is going to be one of these easy wins for the Chiefs, especially it being this emotional big game, the last game in Oakland. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, there's 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 something different about the feel of this team right now. And, and if they could pull off this upset, it would it would be huge for Oakland, that's for sure. Um, two more questions for you. Colton Miller and Trent Brown, they did a great job last week against uh, uh, the Broncos' pass rush of Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. Uh, this week you mentioned it's, it's Emmanuel Agba, it's Frank Clark. But I do think the one matchup that is being a bit overlooked that the Raiders could struggle with is inside with, with Chris Jones. Um, as you know, um, both of the Raiders' starting guards um, – Richie Incognito and Gabe Jackson are out. So, what do you think? Is this is this a um, a game where you think Chris Jones could maybe um, you know have a major impact? There was a feeling with the Chris Jones contract situation and, and the holdout through the off season that he did quite a bit of freelancing last year, meaning he was going for sacks on a lot of plays and not necessarily sticking to what he was supposed to be doing on on certain fits and and so on and so forth. Um, And so I wonder if Spagnuolo has reined that in. He didn't really look as effective as he did last year at getting to the quarterback. Now, when I look at the matchup, I mean, Chris Jones, to me, uh, last year he finished third in the league in sacks. He's he's a force to be reckoned with. And so Spagnuolo may see that matchup and tap into it. 
I think that's probably more the likely scenario. So, yeah, I mean, I do worry about, for the, Ra- for the Raiders' sake, Jones really having one of these dominant games, and, and it makes it easier when you have a guy like Frank Clark. And I understand Clark didn't have a huge week last week against the Jaguars, uh, but Colt Miller is a match matchup he likes. I did some reading myself, and, and I found out Miller was facing some injuries the last time, so you know that he's going to want to prove it to himself. He did a nice job against Bradley Chubb with chop blocks, and that was something I asked about uh, this week with Frank Clark. And, and Clark seems ready for me, so that was something that he saw in the film, and he's going to stick to his game. And so that's a big matchup. I'm, I'm excited to watch the defensive line against this Raiders offensive line. Yeah, that's definitely one of the matchups that I'm going to be focusing on throughout the game is is how Colton Miller handles Frank Clark because, um, as you mentioned, they did play Seattle. The Raiders did play Seattle last year, and uh, man, Clark really dominated him, and it was ugly. So uh, I'm hoping to see a different version of uh, Colton Miller uh, this weekend. Now, final question here. The Chiefs, the last time I looked, they were eight-point favorites, I believe. Um, I would just like to get your, your prediction for the game, that's all. Oh, sure. So, I mean, this is kind of how I think it's going to break down. I think it's going to really be this shootout type of thing from the get-go. I think it's going to be one of these games where, you know, if you're not in it like us nationally, you're probably going to assume that the Chiefs are just going to run over the Raiders because of Patrick Mahomes. But if you really look at deeper, the Chiefs don't have Tyreek Hill. Um, Patrick Mahomes is facing that ankle injury. The defense didn't look great week one, so I don't necessarily know if the Chiefs have it all together quite yet. Derek Carr looked really good, and if the Chiefs defense wasn't looking good and Derek Carr is looking really good, I think they're going to be neck and neck. I think through two quarters, it's going to feel like a shootout. It may even be tied at halftime, but I do think the Chiefs go into the locker room and and Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid figure this thing out, and then they sort of pull away from the third. I do have the Chiefs covering, but not by much. My final is 37 to 27 Chiefs. Uh, But like I said, I mean, from a Raiders standpoint, uh, they're going to prove something for themselves in this game. It's a young team, and if they can stick with the Chiefs even for a little bit, I think that's a win in, in Oakland's mind. Granted, I, I understand Oakland fans, and they, they're not going to be satisfied if they if they lose their last game in Oakland. But that being said, you know this team, to me, Raiders team, um, just in general, feels like it's one year away from being one that's going to contend right with the Chiefs because of just how young they are. It could be fun to watch over the next few years, but uh, even in this game early on, um, it's it's something I'm looking forward to watching. There's no moral victories in the NFL, Pete. Come on, you know that. We want the Raiders fans. We want a victory. We want to beat the Chiefs. It's been too long. Yeah, of course. No, I I, I see that, and the, and the and the Raiders are one of those teams too that that have has able to get a division win against the Chiefs. You know, who have been really good in the division the past couple of years. Uh, the 0 and 10 team comes to mind, and then uh, the seven plays at the end of the game. So, you know, whenever the Chiefs and the Raiders get together, it's and I, I say this with all sports and division, you never know what's going to happen, and, and I feel that way about Sunday. Yeah, well, that, that was great stuff there, Pete. Uh, I, I appreciate you, you know, hopping on the line with me tonight. Um, uh, I, you know, I encourage everyone. Um, if there's any Chiefs fans that happen to be listening out there, check them out on Arrowhead Pride, SB Nation, and want to support the, the family there. Um, Pete, enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah, uh, sounds good, and I hope uh, you and all your fans also enjoy the game, and uh, have a good Sunday. All right, thank you. All right, you got some good information there from Chiefs beat writer Pete Sweeney. I want to thank Pete again for uh, joining me on the show. Unfortunately, that is going to do it for this week's edition of Just Pod Baby with Evan Grote. Like always, you can check it out on part of the Silver and Black Pride Podcast Network. 
Raider fans, we've got a big game this weekend. I hope everyone enjoys it. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the show tonight. I hope everyone has a great week. I hope everyone has a super Sunday. And go Raiders! <laughs>